Redbeard's Outfitter is a Mobile, Alabama-based outfitter offering a carefully curated selection of gear and apparel, outfitting you for your next adventure, exploring our world, and building community. We love this local store, and we love supporting folks like them who are building community in the outdoor space. Plus, they have some spectacular apparel for Alabamians and all the gear anyone would need to be ready to enjoy the outdoors. Use promo code TSO for a 20% discount online or visit them in store. Visit redbeardsoutfitter.com for more information. This is the Storied Outdoors podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. This essay is entitled, Stories Worth Telling, written by Brad Hill and read for you by Brad Hill. An undisturbed river is as perfect as we will ever know. Every refractive slide of cold water a glimpse of eternity. Tom McGuane We turned our caravan north, leaving Mobile on Interstate 65 and headed to Gatlinburg for an adventure and trout. As we looked at the weather, there appeared on the Doppler radar an ominous line of green, yellow, and red making its way across the southeast. I thought to myself, well, I know how this story turns out. It's going to dump a ton of rain, blow out the rivers, making it impossible to fish. Why did I think that, you ask? Well, I can count on one hand the number of trips I've planned way in advance that worked out with ideal conditions and lots of fish. It seems like, more often than not, the weather doesn't comply and conditions downright stink. Welcome to reality. How many things work out the way you plan them or even get close to ideal? Social media peddles this lie that Everyone's trip is perfect every day we turn our eyes towards it. As we lead up to our adventures, we see all the photos of the guides that we're going with on beautiful days, looking at acres of fish rising and netting these monsters you dream about. Our social feed is full of all those we follow, curating their feeds with pictures of their one trip where everything worked out and they had perfect weather. We are inundated with all of this and duped into thinking it's all normal and this trip will be just like that. However, in reality, those experiences are few and far between. Most of the time there's a chance of rain, car wrecks, traffic, flat tires, or sickness. These are the realities we have to deal with in real life. I mean, the root of reality is real, after all. The trip we were embarking on appeared to be no different. 
However, we had made good time and were pulling into Montgomery, Alabama with no problems so far. We slipped into Jim and Nick's barbecue as an angry line of black clouds, wind, and rainstorms passed through. These storms we dreaded were going before us to fill the river we hoped to be standing in on Saturday. After what may have been poor nutritional decisions, for the drivers at least, with a danger of food-induced coma, we struck out to finish our journey to Tennessee. With full stomachs and satisfied appetites, we tempted fate and pushed on with our heading set to north and continued our adventure. Several pockets of traffic, severe rain and wind eventually caused a giant cedar tree to fall and cover the entire road, requiring some navigational gymnastics. Through many twists and turns, all the while our navigational app bellowed, recalculating as a continued refrain until, at last, we finally stumbled our way back on track. Now, one of the pockets of traffic we found ourselves in involved a tractor trailer laying on its side, but the tractor trailer had damage on the top of the truck. Fire responders had yet to arrive, and I don't think the engine had even cooled off yet. The damage on the top was obvious it had flipped, and all the guys felt the same way. That must have been a spectacular sight. Even more impressively than the wreck was the driver pacing up and down the highway, talking on his headset. He was waving his arms in disgust, and I would imagine gratitude for there being no visible injury. However, I feel like he will wake up the next morning with a severe stiffness, reminding him of the previous day's abrupt halt to his journey. Looking at his rig, that fellow should have been injured, but thankfully he lived to tell the tale. Although, all of the credit doesn't go solely to the vehicle's safety features. Some must recognize sovereignty. How often are we closer to death than we even realize in the moment? The longer I live, the more it appears that death is an appointment, not an accident. I hold on to the truth that it is appointed to a man once to die. Which to me, there's more purpose and hope found in an appointment rather than an accident. Alas, our caravan pressed on towards our goal of making it to Gatlinburg. And all the while, I was in contact with our guides about the scheduled fishing trip on Saturday. Meanwhile... It was coming a gully washer in the Smoky Mountain National Park. The guide service recommended now that we fish on Sunday, if we get to fish at all. So we agreed to communicate on Saturday to see whether or not we would fish on Sunday. I was thinking inside, I've heard all this before. They will want to cancel, and I suppose we will have to see. We arrived at our cozy cabin, nestled on the Little Pigeon River, just outside of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. A classic log cabin, not too fancy, but comfortable, sort of homely. Each man laid claim to a bed, and then we stood on the front porch for a moment, taking in the sound of the river rolling by, and I felt the temperature dropping. The weather we were experiencing was my kind of weather, cool and crisp. Spring, just on the brink 
but not yet here. This time of year is one of my favorites. When you can gaze out through the large stands of hardwoods and the colors are bursting from the red buds and the dogwood trees popping among the brown tree trunks and leafless trees on the rolling hills and hollers of the southeast. Saturday morning broke open and it was beautiful. I could hear the Little Pigeon River angrily rolling by and I was filled with a foreboding. The elevated sound just below a roar did not bode well for our fishing that day. I texted our guides and to my dread they wanted to push our trip to Sunday for sure in hopes that the river would fall and we would get to fish. What now? My original plans were to be fishing with guides on Saturday, but now that's not happening. So we lazily hung out at our cabin for a little while, and since I had a couple fly rods with me, we spent some time fishing. I rigged up both of my rods, and a couple of guys brought along their spinning rods because we knew our cabin had fishing access. Just downstream from our cabin, maybe 50 yards or so, another small creek converged with the Little Pigeon River to form a confluence that provided a deep, deep hole where I, I felt like trout would be holding. But boy, that water was moving fast. I can see why the guides did not want to go fishing that day, because the fish would be so deep and the bait drift would go by the trout like a NASCAR on a straightaway at Talladega Motor Speedway. As a fisherman, it seems like we are always at odds with the weather conditions. So very rarely do the stars line up and you find yourself uttering those words, man, the conditions couldn't be better. You know, that reminds me, of another story in Tennessee with another group of guys from my church on a similar trip. The first group of guys I talked into coming with me on this trip came with great anticipation. I hoped to introduce them to fly fishing and we, we too traveled up around the same time of year. The weather initially looked all right except for a front we hoped would hold off hoped being the key phrase to remember. We hoped it would come through on Sunday while we were heading home, leaving Saturday to be the calm, good weather just before the storm. Alas, we were not so lucky. We arrived on Friday and it was gorgeous outside. We sat around the fire that night. It was maybe 55 degrees. Upon getting up early the following day to meet the guides, it was 16 degrees and snowing, sideways. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? I have never experienced a more dramatic change in the weather during my previous 40 years on this earth. However, that didn't stop us from going out and trying to catch some fish. I agree with John Girak when he said, Fishing in rainy conditions may make fishermen seem crazy to a great mass of unimaginative people, but then few fishermen care what they think. The only difference today was it was snow, not rain, and it was utterly frigid outside. 
Interestingly, the snowy conditions had no bearing on the fish as much as they did on the fishermen, and whether or not we wanted to fish. We took the chance and traveled over to Bryson City to meet the guides at their fly shop. And it seemed like a full-on blizzard. My buddy Patrick had volunteered to drive, and I am confident he regretted that decision as we pulled out in the dark, headed to the fly shop in the driving snow. The snow was coming in so fast, it looked like the Millennium Falcon had made the jump to hyperspace. Bright white snow lines came straight into the windshield with a black backdrop of what looked like the vacuum of space. Though the trip to Bryson City was much more perilous than it would have normally been, our brave Captain Patrick made the crossing safely. Now, once at the shop, the guides seemed a little apprehensive, but our group was feeling adventurous and even said, Either way, it'll make for a great story. And so it did. We loaded up and headed down, following the guides to the Tuckasegee River. Thankfully, the two fearless young guides showed up with the waders and boots for us, and they had been sitting in the back of the truck all night, and they were frozen. It was like the white witch from Narnia had touched them with her scepter, turning them into granite statues lying in the bed of that truck. <laughs> so there was a line of us walking down to the river, baptizing our boot statues and melting the ice and returning them to a pliable state where we could actually wear them. Though it took a little longer than usual, we'd all donned our wading gear and thus descended into the frigid waters of the tuck. The guides situated us in a long row on a nice bubbly run right next to where we had parked our vehicles, which was very convenient, as you will find out later. The guides gave us a casting tutorial and set us off to fish. I always enjoy these speeches because I want to learn better how to teach folks or how to communicate how to cast myself. So. I observed the guides and sharpened my approach to teaching fly casting. Soon after, we began to drift the run we were standing on, and I glimpsed a shadow pass over directly. I looked up and at once realized a giant bald eagle was hovering on the wind just above our heads. You know, when you see a picture of an eagle, their size doesn't really translate. However, in person, my God. Goodness, they are enormous. Flying just overhead, wings spread wide, catching the stiffness of the wind with power and grace. The mighty eagle held position over the place we were fishing. Maybe this means that there were fish here, or so I thought. Speaking of the wind that day, it was considerably stiff and consistent. And a few times, the temps went single digits and cut through every stitch of clothing we wore. We might as well have been shirtless. Thankfully, the casting we were doing wasn't the huge false back cast that looks so beautiful on film. It was more like a water-weighted roll cast. As the line passed, our flies drifted on the current and swept the fly as it swung tightly, dragging in the water. The water's tension helped load the rod, giving it power to roll the flies back upstream for another drift. 
And interestingly, I have often been fortunate to hook a fair amount of fish on the swing on the backside of a drift. Now, the guys that came with me were adventurous, to say the least. They jumped right in and got to work despite the frigid temps, I thought to myself. It didn't take terribly long until I heard one of the guys, my buddy Keenan, had caught a fish. So, hey, we didn't get skunked. I was overjoyed. Despite the conditions, someone had indeed caught a fish, and I took great joy in looking down the line to see him pose for his pick with a gorgeous first trout of the day. Hope abounded to the rest of the guys, and we all got back to drifting our nymphs in anticipation of that bright orange indicator plunging beneath the surface and hook set of our own. Remember how convenient it was that we had such a short walk to our trucks? Soon after that first fish, to my horror, my friend Keenan slipped into the drink and his waiter filled dangerously with cold, frigid water. Not only was that water freezing, but the air temperature was too, and it was also snowing sideways in the slicing wind, bringing the temps to well below freezing. Our weather apps notified us that there was actually a hypothermic warning. In retrospect, I think the situation was far more severe than we even realized. Thankfully, the truck's location made it possible to get in, get dry, and more importantly, warm. It took some serious time to get warm, though. By this time, I had been wade fishing enough times that I wouldn't say it's a given that someone would fall in and get water in their waders, but it's awfully close. Let's say it's not a matter of if, but more so a matter of when. But that's part of the adventure of fly fishing. You never know what's going to happen. A slippery rock or a deeper than realized hole and down you go. Isn't that life though? You're walking along and before you know it, down you go and you find yourself in a mess. More often than not, we're only one step from disaster more times than we ever realize. And the only thing keeping us is the Lord. Keenan dried off in the truck while we continued to fish and the snow coming in sideways and our rods were freezing up. Occasionally, I would dip my rod into the water to get the ice out of the line guides and the reel so I could actually use it. Thankfully, we all lived to tell the tale and laugh about it. But it was an adventure I will certainly never forget. It was easily the coldest I can remember being while trying to fish, or anything else for that matter. Still, interestingly, the weather was a deterrent for the fishermen. Not the fish. Several guys were able to catch fish, and I was fortunate to net a few myself. And this trip was most assuredly one for the history books. And as John Girak said, accurately recalling an entire day of fishing is like trying to push smoke back down a chimney. So, we settled on these specific moments. The weather in Gatlinburg on this particular trip, the one where there wasn't snow, had already come through. The temperature was dropping, and the sky was as rich of blue as you can imagine. It was beautiful outside. 
and the thought of not fishing was, well, difficult to swallow. It wasn't easy until you walked over to the river and heard its roar. However, right there next to the cabin, we were able to catch a few fish, a bona fide treat to see my friends that I drug up here to catch their first mountain trout, and all without guides, no less. I knew we could catch fish now, so hopefully, with the help of the guides, tomorrow would be a fun, fun day. Morning came, and we met the guides down at the fly shop, suited up in our waders, and headed into the park for some fishing. Now the guides gave us a warning that the river was flowing at over 900 CFS. In hydraulic terms, which are cubic feet per second, is the flow rate discharge equal to one cubic foot of water usually per second. This rate is equivalent to approximately 7.48 gallons per second. All that to say, and math aside, 900 is a lot of water flowing, especially when the Little River typically runs at or below 100 CFS. We pressed on, however, and followed the guides to a spot to begin. We waded in, we got the speech about casting, which was a good one, by the way, and they set us up in a row and spread us out on a particular run nestled in the heart of the Smoky Mountain National Park. The trees towered above us, and the crystal clear river ferociously rolled past us. We began our drifts, and it wasn't long until our guys caught some fish. We didn't rack up a ton of fish, but most of the guys caught a few and experienced their first mountain trout on a fly rod. Fortunately, I got several gorgeous brown trout. Golden brown body speckled with black and red spots and an appetite for my olive green woolly booger. You know, most Sundays I am standing in our church for your welcoming folks. But this morning I was standing in Creation's Cathedral, waist deep in a mountain river surrounded by the deep and ancient forest of the Smoky Mountains. I briefly held a wild brown trout in my hand and marveled at God's creativity in taking so much trouble in designing such a creature. Each planned adventure always presents unplanned problems. Some folks like to call that conflict, and they say it makes for a good story. I keep telling myself that, although I wish I could remember the words of Samwise Gamgee. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were, and sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folks in those stories had lots of chances of turning back. 
Only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. That there's something good in this world and it's worth fighting for. J.R.R. Tolkien Though conditions were not ideal, and we had lots of chances of turning back, we resolved to cast a line despite the weather, and we caught a few fish. Fishermen are generally an optimistic bunch, because there's always a chance you'll get a bite. We had made the long road trip to Tennessee, and we thought, well, we might as well give it a shot. And I'm glad we did. Thank you so much for joining us on this adventure. We never for a second take for granted that you folks take time to listen to these stories and these conversations and some of you share them. And we are so, so grateful that you do. Thank you to all those that have taken time to leave us a review. If you want to help us to share these stories and for more people to find this podcast, one of the best ways you can help us is by leaving a review. You can leave a written review on iTunes or you can give us a, you know, however many stars. Let's, uh, let's hope it's five-star rating on your Spotify or whatever your platform is that you consume this podcast. Leave us a review and share these stories with your friends. Share these podcasts. If you think there's someone that this would encourage, by all means, we'd be so honored if you would share these stories. But thanks for joining us. Thanks for the messages that you've sent us and for the interactions online. We're so grateful that we get to do this and we get to share these and you guys enjoy them. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, please take an opportunity to go by redbeardsoutfitter.com. Um, you can, man, they have some really cool things there and they're really great folks. Uh, a local shop here in Mobile, but they have an online store and you can use promo code TSO for a 20% discount off uh, online. Um, and they have great things for the outdoors and they can equip you for, man, all your outdoor adventures. So one of my favorite things that they sell personally are the Brio fire pits, these smokeless fire pits. And they're a dealer for these Brio fire pits and they are awesome. But they have lots of other things, great apparel and lots of great outdoor stuff. So take advantage of that. Uh, as always, we hope these stories encourage you. I hope they encourage you to write your own story, to share your own adventure in the place that we love to call the storied outdoors. <laughs>